couldn't get out early today. I can't tell you the last time I got up five minutes before whatever time it is. We're up early. That's with a baptism and everything. And then, on top of all that, I had this really good illustration that I liked and wanted to use. And, and my whole illustration's gone. I don't know where that page went. So somebody just wanting to get out early. That's all right. I'll fill in the blanks. And uh, it'll all be all right. And, First Peter chapter number one, good to have you with us today. If you're a guest with us, thank you for visiting with us today. Uh, I pray that today will be a, a challenge to you. I pray that God would use uh, his word in a mighty way in each of our lives. And If you're here today and you don't know Christ, can I tell you the best thing you could ever do is go to that old rugged cross and bow down your knee in repentance and faith and trust in Christ as your Savior and be born again by the grace of God. Thank God for that day he saved my soul. How many of you think for the day you saved your soul? Amen. First Peter chapter number one. As we continue our series through First Peter, and while you're flipping there, I was reading about a dog. Let's see if I can remember kind of how this went. And, uh, and this hunter, and he, he bought a brand new hunting dog, and he was all excited about having this dog, and he was taking him bear hunting. He was a bear hunting dog, and and he he, he wanted to. He, he takes his dog out first time out with his dog. He's so excited. First thing I mean, as soon as they get in that wood, in the woods, that that dog. Picks up the scent. Ah, off he goes. He's chasing. He's on the. He's on the trail, chasing down, trying to find the bear. Uh, on on the, and and the hunter's just you know he's got his rifle. He's keeping up fast as he can. And all of a sudden the dog just stops. And he goes this way. And next thing you know he's off and running. He done found where a deer had crossed the bear's trail, and now he's chasing the deer. And he runs down through there, and the hunter's still racing after him. Next thing you know, the dog stops one more time, and he heads that way. Now he doesn't come across a rabbit who ran across the deer's trail, and he's chasing the rabbit. And so the hunter's after him, after him. That dog just keeps leaving him in the dust. Finally, he finds, he catches up with the, the dog after about a half an hour later. And the dog, I mean, he's triumphant. He is barking ferociously. He's, he's got the varmint cornered. He's, he's right over top of that Fearless <laughs> mouth hole. <laughs> I tell you the illustration just simply because this, because that dog reminds, that hunting dog reminds me a lot of many Christians. We sometimes forget what our ultimate calling and our ultimate purpose in life is. We get distracted by anything that runs around and grabs our attention and and we lose focus on the very most important thing that God has given us to do. Can I just tell you, before we even get started this morning, what your purpose in life is. It's simple. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 tells us this. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, the Bible says, and for thy pleasure they were created. God created us for one reason and one reason only. Here's our purpose. It is to worship and glorify God. And you know how we most effectively worship and glorify God? That is by fulfilling our ultimate calling in life. So our ultimate purpose is to worship and glorify God. Our ultimate calling in life is one you don't hear preached much anymore. It's one, in fact, when you see what the word is, you probably already saw it. No, you haven't. Amen. People get real hush. It's to live a life of holiness. When's the last time you heard a preacher preach a message on holiness? You come here, you hear it every once in a while. But I'm going to tell you, it's not preached much anymore. That is your ultimate calling. That is my ultimate calling in life, to live a life of holiness. I got to thinking about 
all the callings I have in life. I'm called to be a husband. I'm called to be a father. Uh, I, I, I got God's calling on my life. I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm called to be a pastor here at Victory Way Baptist Church. But you know, above and beyond, every single calling I have in life and you have in life, the most important one is this, to live a holy life. We're going to see that from the text this morning. Peter shifting gears, if you will. And, and before we even get to glorifying and living a holy life, let me, let me explain some things that it's not. Uh, we, we've been convinced in modern day Christianity that worshiping God and, and glorifying God and being holiness has to do with how much you run or how much you shout or, or how, much you, how often you come to church or, or wearing a cross around your neck or putting a, a fish maybe on your car or, or, or giving money or serving in the ministry. You know, listen, all those are wonderful things and I'm not against a single one of them, amen? But I know people that do all those things on Sunday and live like hell the rest of the week. And so do you. God has called you and me to a place of personal holiness. Today we're going to do part one of a two-part series on how to live holy. I simply called it this, our call to holiness. Read with me in our text, if you won't mind standing for just a moment. We're probably only going to make one verse today, but I'm going to read three or four verses so you got the context. But 1 Peter chapter 1, and read with me, picking up in verse number 13. We left off in verse 12 last week. The Bible says this, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. About... 40 minutes today, we're going to spend right there in those couple phrases. You've heard me preach a million times on the thought life. I'm convinced I need to preach at least once a quarter. <laughs> and unless God tells me to preach it more, guess what? We're doing a verse-by-verse -verse study. He said, preach it again. <laughs> you're not going to hear any new truths today. But you're going to hear some truths that I pray that we will finally apply to our lives so that we can fulfill the ultimate calling of God. Verse 13 again, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye, what's that next word? Holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Our call to holiness. Let's pray. Father, I pray now for the next few moments, Lord, that you'd bless the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. And Lord, I, I pray that we would get rid of the pop psychology culture that's being preached with a watered-down gospel today, Lord. Uh, thank you that the gospel's simple. I thank you today that the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and, and it's repentance and faith in that message that saves the soul. But Lord, once we're saved, you've given us a call to live holy lives. Lord, we're so often like that dog in the illustration. We get distracted by this, get distracted by that, and the next thing you know, Lord, we're, we're doing anything but being the holy vessel that you've called us to be. Father, today, start working in our hearts and lives. In this message and the message to follow next week, Lord, 
and show to us from your precious word by your Holy Spirit our call to holiness. Father, bless now the teaching and preaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. We get to verse number 12 and or 13. And it's interesting. The Bible starts with, what's that first word? Wherefore. Now, anytime you see that, I know you've heard me say this a million times, but anytime you see wherefore, here's what you need to do. You need to figure out why it's there for. <laughs> because it's tying you back to a previous thought. And, and so Peter, he's changing gears here. He's been, we've been preaching for the last several weeks over the great joys of our salvation. And so he says, wherefore, he's saying because of, in response to what we preached the last week, in response of the great truths of our salvation, in response of the great truths of our redemption, the truths that, that are going to be realized when Jesus returns in the clouds and we put off his old body of flesh and finally we get that glorified body when, when our salvation is complete when, and when we're no longer just saved from the penalty of sin and no longer just saved from the power of sin but, but friends, when we're finally saved from the very presence and possibility of sin. How many of you are looking forward to that day? Amen. I'm going to tell you what, I'm glad, I'll be glad when this old flesh gets put off and I get that glorified body and I no longer can sin against my God. Boy, I'll be glad for that day. If you don't see your sin that way, you need to probably get saved. Amen. Because that's what our sin is, friends. It's an offense to a thrice holy God. Looking forward to that day. He says, wherefore? In response to those great truths, in response to the truths that the Old Testament prophets wrote about, even though they didn't fully understand who the Messiah was going to be, in response to, as we ended last week, to the great truths of redemption that the angels even desire to look into because they don't understand redemption. They've never been saved. In response to that, now wherefore, here's our responsibility. Because we've been saved, not to get saved, but because we've been saved, he says this, Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Wherefore, because we're saved, because we're sealed, and because we're secured by the grace of God, he says this, it's time to learn to control your mind. Can I just tell you this? Holy living, before we even, even think about getting anywhere near actions. We're not going to get to a single action today. You're not going to hear me preach about a single thing about how you live, your manner of life. Oh, we're going to talk about this one thing today. It's this. Because before you ever get to what you do, you've got to control what you think. And we're going to see that truth all through the text today because it's right here. He says, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. It's no accident that he starts here with this idea of controlling your mind and your thought life. If I've told you once as a pastor, in fact, I'm going to be honest, I've been here, I did a little math, I've been here uh, almost six years, three times a week plus Sunday school sometimes, and that's 52 times a year. That's at least, in my math, 936 times at least I've told you probably multiple times that everything in our life starts with our mind. And our thinking. And that's what he's saying here. He said, wherefore, because of the truth of salvation, we need to gird up the loins of our mind. And he calls us back to control our mind. When you read your Bible, it's, off, it's interesting how often God will interchange two words that he talks about the this, this center of our thinking. Sometimes he'll use the word mind. Sometimes he'll use the word heart. Let me give you some examples. Uh, in Proverbs 23, verse 7, he says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Matthew chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said this, and, and knowing their thoughts said, Wherefore think ye evil in your 
hearts. And so they're interchanged all the time. That's why, that's why the, the, the writer of Proverbs said this, Keep your, thy heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. Let me put it a little more bare bones. I like how R.U. puts it. Every sin has its origin in our heart. Before we ever done it, we what? See, y'all know it, and you haven't been to argue, amen? Before we ever done it. See, it's a problem in our head. And if we're going to have, uh, start to live a life of holiness, it doesn't start in what we do. It doesn't start in how we dress. It doesn't start in, in any activity. It doesn't start in our behavior. It starts in our mind. It starts in how we think. How, so, so this morning, with God's help, here's what I want to show you. I want to give you some real how-to. I want to tell you how to control your mind. How to control your mind. And the verse is going to tell us again. Go back to me, back in there with me. Verse number 13. Wherefore, he says, because of those truths, gird up the loins of your mind. It starts with simply this, by securing our thoughts. By securing our thoughts. Now, it's interesting. You read that word gird up. We don't use that a whole lot today, do we? <laughs> When's the last time you said, well, gird yourself up? <laughs> We just don't, it's not, a, it's not a modern day English word that we use a lot of. But here's what it means, and it meant a lot to the folks that, uh, these, these, these folks living in Rome that were Christians and under the persecution of the Roman government in the time that Peter was writing. And he was saying, listen, it, that word gird up means to prepare for action. It means to fasten tightly, to take control of, to secure. It's really a metaphor uh, that, that they would have understand. Back in those days, men wore long, flowing, loose garments. And we would maybe call them robes or skirts today or something like that. And Can I just start, stop real quick and say thank God for blue jeans and pants. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you may not like them, but I thank God for them. I'm glad I don't have to be up here in a robe and girding them up. Uh, <laughs> and just, just throw that out there. Amen. Thank God for it. And so when he said would gird up the loins, here's what he was referring to. It would take a belt around those loose garments and it would tie them up and fasten them tightly to the body because they were getting ready for activity. Sometimes it was a battle, a fight they were getting ready to go out into. Sometimes they were, uh, whatever they were going to do, they were getting ready to do something physical. And they didn't want that, that free-flowing garment, that long-flowing garment to trip them up, to, to cause them to stumble, to easily get hold of, to be pulled down by it. I got to thinking about this. We, we did this very thing with football. Back when I played football, uh, back, you know, that was back when they were made out of rocks, amen. Uh, but back when I played, no, that's when some of y'all played, before they had helmets. That's some of y'all's front. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, back, when back when I played, our, our jerseys, I'm telling you what, they were loose as all get out. They, we had these big old jerseys. We'd pull them things over. And, I mean, you'd tuck them in and your jersey's all loose up here and all that. Today, it doesn't work like that. Because, see, they've learned in football the simple, the simple thing that if it's loose and, and you miss a tackle, you could always kind of reach out and grab that loose garment and grab hold of them and pull them down. Now the jerseys are so doggone tight, you can't put your own jersey on. You think I'm, you think I'm kidding. You ought to see a bunch of high school kids trying to put jerseys on. Uh, they got their buddies and sometimes two buddies trying to pull that jersey, especially the quarterbacks and the running backs, trying to pull those jerseys over their shoulder pads. They're so tight. The idea is this, they're girding themselves up so you won't have something loose to grab hold of to make you fall, to make you trip, to make you stumble, in other words. And so that's the idea here. We need to gird up, but, and that's what Peter's talking about. Now, now, what he's talking about girding up here is not our accessories. It's not our clothes, though. He said, gird up, look with me, the loins of our mind. We need to fasten up my mind, take control of our mind. Can I just tell you this? Your biggest enemy, friend, is it's not what you do. Your biggest enemy is not the devil. Your biggest enemy, you see them 
every person, every day when you look in the mirror. My biggest enemy is this guy right here. Uh, now, I'm not talking about your wife if she's standing behind you and while you're looking in the mirror. I'm talking about you. And the biggest part, the enemy of this man right here is this part right here. It is my mind. It is our thinking. He says, listen, because the great God, the great grace that God saved us with, we need to learn to tighten up, fasten up, take control of our mind. You can say the devil made you do it all you want, but here's the simple truth. We do what we want to do. I'm going to say that one more time. That was good. That wasn't a bad response, but I'm going to just tell you. We do what we want to do. You can blame anybody you want. You can blame the devil. You can blame your neighbor. You can blame your wife. You can blame your husband. You can blame your kids. You can blame your boss. But at the end of the day, it is my stinking fault. I decide what I'm going to do and how I'm going to react to every situation. And so do you. And how we decide on and what we end up doing is based on what we think and how we think the most. And that's why he tells us, to, uh, the Bible tells over and over that we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Because left to ourselves, apart from the, the daily washing of the word of God, you left to yourself, even as a born again, saved child of God, if you don't learn to gird up your mind, if you don't learn to take control and secure your thoughts, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get filthy. You're going to get dirty. And it's going to get nasty. And whatever you think about is what you end up doing. So before we ever get to doing, that's next week, we got to learn to secure our thoughts. And we got to learn to control how we think. Now, I've said this a million times, and I know we got some guests. Praise the Lord. Somebody will hear something new. You say, you say, I hear this message about once a year. You're doggone right, you do. You're going to hear it once a year as long as you have me as your pastor. Maybe more frequently because we need it a little more frequently. Here's the truth. Get this down. Write this down. It's not going to be on the screen. Wrong thinking. Y'all can say it with me. Leads to wrong believing. Leads to then wrong doing. Everybody got that truth? Wrong thinking. Leads to wrong believing. Leads to wrong doing every time. It always starts not in the doing, but over here in the thinking. And that's why the Bible tells us we need to gird up the loins of our mind. Because living a holy life doesn't start with how you dress. It doesn't start with how you smell and what you do. It starts by how you think. And we need to learn to secure our, or control our thoughts by securing our minds. But, but go on with me. Not only that, we need to learn this. But, uh, not only securing our thoughts, but sobriety of thoughts. Look at those next two words. Gird up the loins of your minds. And then there's two words that says, be sober. Y'all see that? Make sure you look in your Bible. I want you to see it in your Bible. Don't listen to the preacher. Amen. Listen to me in a minute. Just right now, let's see it in your Bible. The authority is in the Word of God. Amen. Be sober. Be sober. What does that mean? Well, sober is a, an interesting word. Here's what it means. It means to have control over kind of the same word we would use like maybe for temperance or self-control. Uh, I call it spirit control. To be collected in spirit. To, have, to take control over. And so he's telling us, listen, we need to gird up the loins of our minds. We need to secure them, fasten them up, tighten up, take control over it. But then we need to do one more thing. And this is the step we miss so often. Not only we need to secure our thoughts, we need to take control over it and maintain control over it. See, so many people get victory once. And, you know, we can get victory once. I can secure, boy, that's a bad thought. Get that thing out of here. Think about something good. But if I don't maintain control, if I don't have sobriety of thoughts, it doesn't lead to lasting victory. 
I think about our dogs. We got a dog pen out back. Kind of comes into the garage. There was a few times we our neighbor's dogs kind of become our dog. He kind of hangs out down here. There's a few times that we put our dog in the front side because he can come into a little gate in the garage. That way he can come in and out. But we didn't close the gate on the back side. So in our, my mind, we, we've secured the dog because I put him in the garage. Guess what he did? He went right out the dog door outside, and that gate was left open. That's what we do with our minds sometimes. I got control over the, I, I got control over my thoughts. No, you didn't. You won it once, but you didn't close off all the gates and keep control over it. It's the same, the same idea. And simply put, it is this way. is how I wrote it down. It does me no good to round up the dog and put him in the pen if I'm going to leave the gate open after I put him in there. It does you no good to work on trying to control your thoughts if you're not going to continue to control them after the fact. And that's why so many people, listen to me carefully, fall right back into the exact same sin. Are you listening? This is one, I know this isn't one of them hallelujah messages, but this is going to help you. Amen. That's why we fall right back. The same thing over and over. We, we get a little victory. We, we, we finally secure our thinking for a moment or two, and we, we get victory. And then instead of practicing sobriety and, and maintaining control over those thoughts and, and learn walking in the Spirit, we quit doing the very doggone thing that gave us the victory in the first place. Are y'all with me this morning? I, I, I can't tell when you get that quiet if you're just thinking or, or you're tuning me out. Tune me in this morning. This may not be the most exciting message, but I'm going to promise you, this will probably be the, best, the most helpful message in your life if you'll pay attention and get some of these truths. And that's not because I'm preaching. It's because it's the Word of God. Listen to it. Here's what happens. They fall right back in the same sin, the same stubborn habit, the same addiction. And the reason is they get victory once and then they quit doing the very thing. They quit coming to church, for example. Let me give you an example. How many times have you seen somebody come where they've been in a, the, the, the pit of life? I mean, and, and I'm not minimizing where they've been. They listen, and they come and they get victory, and they're doing well, and they're taking a step, and they're, they're growing in grace and knowledge. And then they quit the very thing. They think they've arrived. They quit the very thing that is helping provide them victory over their issues. They quit coming. Are you? We've seen it a million times of folks with addictions, and they, they just quit. They, I realize I made it. And by the way, they, they were in their Bible. They were studying. They were meditating. And then they quit reading that. You get a little victory. You start to secure your thoughts. But, but, and, and you get renewed in the spirit of your mind. But then you quit the very thing that gave you the victory in the first place. Now listen, I'm not telling you what to think right now. I'm telling you what I know. This happens over and over and over and over again. You know what the Bible says? Proverbs 16, verse 18. Y'all know this verse. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Let me give you a warning. The thing, second you think you have arrived, the second you think, boy, I, I'm finally an overcomer and got complete victory over that besetting sin that's been whooping my tail for all these, li all these years. I finally learned how to walk in the Spirit. I finally have secured my thoughts. The second you think you're there, I'm telling you what, you just set yourself up for the biggest fall ever. You're not going to. Hey, while we're in this flesh, you're not going to arrive. You've got to keep on doing the very thing that got you to the place of victory in the first place. It's not time to quit. It's time to buckle down and say, praise God, I'm going to keep doing what gave me the victory right now to get me to this place. That's sobriety. That's what it's talking about. 
we think we've arrived. And many times, not only do we fall then, we fall harder and further than we've ever fallen before. How many of you have seen that in somebody's life? Look at a couple of hands. How many of you have seen it in your own life? I know you won't raise Raise your toe. That way I don't see it. Amen. Everybody else does. Because you know it's true. Let me give you an illustration. Y'all getting all tense on me. Lighten it up a little bit. My wife made chocolate pie this week. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. I mean, other than banana pudding. I mean, chocolate pies are right there. It's really close. Amen. Amen. And, and I won't fight to them which one's first or second. We'll just eat both and be happy. Amen. And when she makes chocolate, no, no she, she always makes it great. Don't get me wrong. But she did something different. I asked her, what did you do different? She said, you know, she's not quite sure completely. She made a little more thickener, I think she said. But whatever she did different this time, I mean, I, I, that thing's good. And I, I did real good because I've been on these health shakes and I've been working out and all that. And I'm trying to, you know, trim the old, old spare tire and all that stuff. And. And, and, and so, so I'd go up every time I study, and I'd go up and open that refrigerator. This, this is all week long now. Open that thing up, health shake, chocolate pie. Health shake, chocolate pie. Now, I'm going to praise God. There were a lot of times I secured my body, and I grabbed that shake, and I closed that refrigerator, and off I went. Oh, boy, but I'll tell you what, I was getting all proud of myself. Boy, that chocolate pie's been up there all week. And I've had a slice or two here and there. And I, but I, it was in moderation, not like normal. Normally, I ate the whole thing. Y'all, y'all with, and, and I was doing real good. Yesterday, I was studying, preparing for this message. And I was right here at this very doggone part of the message. And I don't know if it was just my own flesh. I don't think it was the devil. But I'm sure it was just my own flesh. Getting the best of me thinking about that chocolate pie. Right there. But this, that'd be a good illustration. I've been getting victory all week. You know what I did? At that moment, I got all prideful. Well, I've been doing good. I haven't ate that whole thing long. And the more I type, and the more I study, the more that belly went, mm. it's chocolate pie time. And I went up there, and I got the biggest doggone slice I got all week. See, I had secured my thoughts and got a little bit of victory, but, but I didn't control the sobriety. Quit doing the very thing that gave me victory over the thing all week long. And we do it the same thing in our lives. It's not enough just to get control of it once, to gird it up. We got to do that. Listen, that's step one, but you got to keep control of it as well. Not only did that, she had some heavy wheat whipped cream topping I put on top. And then, then Kevin, man, I done blown it now. You know how it gets. You done blown it, so you might as well blow it, right? Kevin goes down to the flea market, comes back with these Mennonite donuts. Goodness gracious. Woo! Now we got banana pudding, chocolate pie, midnight donut. You tell me which one's the best. I don't know. I tried them all. Amen. <laughs> and I fell off the wagon. I pray I get back on the wagon this week. Amen. Uh, the point is this. The, the, the true lasting victory, true lasting starting that step of holiness doesn't come from just getting control of them for a second. We have to keep control of them. It's not just by securing our thoughts. It's by sobriety. Now, I'm going to give you some how-to, and we'll go to the house tonight, uh, this morning. But real quick, how do we do that? How do we get control, secure them in the first place, and then maintain control of them after that? How do we take that first step to fulfilling our ultimate calling in life, a call to holiness? 
How do we control that mind? Flip with me. You put something in your Bible, we'll come back just for the last part of verse 13 to close, but flip with me for just a second. Uh, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with me. I'm going to do this, Lord willing, pretty quick. Glad you got me up here early. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll probably put it up here on the screen as well for those of you that are save you a little Bible clipping. But I want you to, this would be a good one to go mark in your Bible if you would believe in marking in your Bible. If you don't, get over and start doing it. Amen. It'll help you. It'll really help you. Paul's going to give us some steps here to how to, how to not only just gain security of thought, but maintain sobriety of thought. Read with me verse number 5. The Bible says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every, what's that next word? Every what? Every thought. To the obedience of See, it begins here. He tells us with how to first get control of it. He says it by casting down. You know what that casting down means? It means to throw out, to expel. And he says we've got to do that with every imagination. Now, imagination here in our text, hang on with me, doesn't really mean that, that random thought that popped in there. It really means it has the idea of a calculated thought. It's, 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 it's not just that thing that popped in once in a while. And it's the ones we focus on and meditate on and think on over and over. I call, call those thoughts, those, those ones that just pop in, y'all know what I call them? I call those ants. Uh, you say, why ants? Automatic negative thoughts. Y'all have them, we have them, we all have them, right? Have you ever been praying? I like this illustration because we've all been there. I mean, praying or reading God's word and I mean, spending time communion with God, then all of a sudden, right there in the middle of your communion with God, boom! I mean, the most wicked, vile thought pops right in your head. We've all had that happen. You're like, how did that happen right now of all times? And Listen, let me tell you, I'm going I'm to give you some relief here today. You're not responsible for that thought. You're responsible for what you do with it. The Bible tells us in multiple places that that, that, that Satan even had, had put into the heart of Judas to, to, to defy Jesus. He, 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 he had lied to, or, or put into the heart of Ananias and Sapphira to, to lie to God. And so sometimes those thoughts come straight from the, the very pits of hell. But listen, we're not responsible for those things that pop in. We're responsible for what we do with them once they are there. That's what imaginations means. It means the ones we're calculating, the ones we're thinking on, the ones we're meditating on, not the one that randomly popped in, the one that we keep on thinking about. Y'all with me? You know what I'm saying? Don't you? It's not just that it showed up. It's just that it showed up and we allowed it to hang out. And we thought of it more and more and more and more. And by the way, usually when we're doing that, we're making it worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Kind of like going on a picnic, right? <laughs> the ant shows up, but instead of killing the ant, you allow the ant to hang out. And it starts to devour the very food you want it to eat. Imaginations, calculated thoughts. Uh, those are the thoughts we're accountable for. Bob Jones, senior, I think was senior, said this. He said, you can't stop a bird from flying overhead, but you can stop him from building a not responsible for that. It happens. You're responsible for allowing the nest to build once it comes in. That's what he's telling us. We've got to cast down. 
those imaginations, those calculated thoughts, the ones we allow to hang out and, and allow eventually then to control us. And by the way, that's what will happen every time. You either control your thoughts or your thoughts will control you. It's one or the other. And, and then he goes on to say, not only do we cast down those thoughts, those ones that we allowed to hang out, the, 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 the ones that, that shouldn't have been there in the first place that we kept meditating on and re regurgitating, we got to get them out. But then he says, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, bringing in captivity literally means we're not only going to control our mind by securing them in the first place, but control them and keep them controlled once they're there, back to what Peter was saying. And so every thought that you and I have, we either need to get rid of it, or we need to, or we need to, and we'll show you how to in just a moment. We either need to get rid of it, cast it out, or we need to say that is a good thought, and we need to meditate on it, one of the two. But when you allow those negative thoughts, those bad thoughts, those wicked thoughts, those thoughts that would take you against the things of God to hang around and build a nest, those are the very thoughts we're responsible for. We need to get rid of those. How do we do it? Here's how we do it. Let me flip over in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, and verse number 8. And I'll give you some how-to, and we'll go to how. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. How do we take every thought and bring it into control, but not only control it, but then secure them? How do, we, how do we practice securing our thoughts and sobriety thoughts? Here's how you do it. Uh, you got to put it through what I call the Philippians 4.8 filter. The Philippians 4.8 filter. Now let's take some work. But you're never going to live holy until you think holy. By the way, most of our work's right here. You get this right? Remember I told you wrong thinking leads to wrong believing, leads to wrong doing? Let me give you a more positive one. The reverse is true. Right thinking leads to right believing, leads to right doing. The battle is in the mind. You win it here, you win the rest of it. You with me? That's why this is so important. So here's what we got to do with those thoughts, those ones that pop in. we got to figure out, does this thing need to hang around or I need to squash it like the very ant that it is. As an automatic negative thought. Philippians 4, Paul writing there, he says, Finally, brethren, he said, Whatsoever things are true, everybody see that one? Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are, uh, are, are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Here's what you got to do. You got to ask and you got to examine every single thought and you need to ask these questions. Number one, you need to ask, is this thought even true? Is it even true? Now, where do we go to find out truth? Yeah, I'm going to promise you this. It ain't Facebook. Amen. If you read that this week, your pastor's the, the biggest scum of the earth. Amen. Don't believe everything you read on Facebook. Amen. I'm going to just tell you this. Your pastor loves you. And we'll just leave that where it is. Amen. Loves every one of you. It ain't Facebook. It's the good book. It's the word of God. And you get into the Word of God and you said, does, does this thought line up to the Word of God? The absolute truth. Does it? That's the question. you got to ask yourself, and does it line up? And uh, Let me give you some thoughts that pop in many people's minds, especially when we get discouraged, when we get down, and we've all been there a little bit from time to time. And uh, how, how many of you have a thought like this? Boy, this situation is impossible. Anybody ever have a thought like that? We all have, haven't we? 
Now, compare that thought. Here's what you got to do. This is, how, this is how you keep from going down that road. Listen to me. This is how you secure your thoughts. This is how you control your thoughts. Is that true? Well, let's go to the truth and see what the truth says. Jesus said, and beheld them and said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are what? Possible. So the word of truth says, no, your situation's not impossible. Because with God all things are possible. Compare it to truth. Thoughts got to go because it's not true. Are you with me? I'm telling you, this is helpful stuff. Listen, how about this? We have this thought. It's just too hard. Right? I've had that. Have you had that? Well, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. This is just too hard. Hard for me. Can I remind you? Go to the source of truth. What does Jeremiah 32 verse 17 say? It says simply this. There is nothing too hard for me. Which one's true? Is my situation too hard? Is this, this thing I'm going through too hard? Or do I rely on the God who says nothing too hard for me? Is that thought true? It's not, is it? Comparing to truth. Where's that thought got to go? Got to go. Got to be cast down. Got to be squashed like an ant. How about this thought? I can't. If you're ever a coach, that's one word you never want to hear anybody say. Amen. I can't. By the way, if you're a Christian, it's a word you should never say either. Because compare that thought that you've had and I've had, I can't, to the truth of God's word. Which Philippians 4.13 say, y'all all know it. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Compare it. Truth says, no, I can through Christ. My thought says I can't. Which one's true? Scripture. Thought's got to go. Are you with me? How about this? I'm all alone. You ever felt that way? Certainly we have, right? Can I remind you, Hebrews 13, 5, compare it to truth. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Compare it to truth. Are you, you see the process here? Uh, how about this? I, I'm just so tired, I, I can't go on. Well, he said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Compare it to truth. Uh, I'm not smart enough. And, and boy, I've heard that a bunch of times. How about 1 Corinthians 1.30? He says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Get that bad thinking out of your mind. I'm afraid. Well, hey, get, check out Scripture. Hey, it tells us where God didn't give us a spirit of fear. <laughs> Compare it to the truth. He gave us but a power and love and of a sound mind. How about this? I can't go on. I, I can't go on. How about 2 Corinthians 12, 9, which says, My grace is sufficient for thee. Yes, you can go on. Amen. Compare the faulty thinking. Ask yourself, is this thinking even true? How do I do that? I compare it to what does the Word of God said. And if my thinking doesn't match the Word of God, then my thinking is wrong, and that needs to go. And Because I'll, I'll never live holy until I first think holy. Are you with me? Go on in our text here. You continue on. He says, is it true? And then he goes, how about this? He says, uh, Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? Do you know what honest means there? It means honorable. Ask yourself this. By the way, you usually won't get past truth. <laughs> that usually eliminates 90% of our thinking, right? When we compare it to the Word of God, our thinking's wrong most of the time, and we can fix it right that step. But, but if you got past that, well, I think it's true. Ask yourself this one. Is it honest? Is it honorable? Could I, could I take this very thought that I'm having, and could I honor God with this thought? If it's not, the thought has to go. Is it just? Look at, look at the next one. Is it just? That has the idea, is it righteous? Is it even worthy of respect? <laughs> if it's not, it's got to go. 
Look next, he says, is it pure? Is it holy, sacred? Could I, here's the final, here's kind of the question. Could I take this thought that I'm having and worship God with it? If you can't, gotta go. How about this? Is it lovely? Has the ideas attractive? Is it beautiful? You know, sometimes you can be you can be right and it can be true, but if it's gonna tear somebody down, if it's not lovely and beautiful, it don't need to be said. And it certainly don't need to be thought. Because by the way, if you don't think it, you won't ever say it. Because out of the heart cometh the mouth, right? Is it lovely? Is it beautiful, attractive? Is it of good report? He goes on to say. Now, I, I'm, I'm horrible at music. That's a musical term when you look it up. I don't know much about music, amen. Uh, it kind of has the idea that it didn't pitch. Every once in a while, uh, Miss Joanne will come to me and say, Pastor, it's time to get that piano tuned. <laughs> I said, really? I thought it sounded beautiful. She goes, it's out of pitch. <laughs> I'd never know. Soft key, whatever. I'd, I'd never have any idea. She, she's got that. It's a good, does it sound good, is what it's saying. Is it a good report? Does it sound good? And look what he says next. Is, it, is there virtue in it? Are you with me? Virtue simply means moral excellence. Would this thought motivate me to do better? If it doesn't, it needs to go. Then he goes on and finishes this. Is there, is there any praise? Is there any praise in it? Could I praise God with this thought? And see, once you go through that filter, once you take your thoughts through that filter, and you cast out the ones that aren't supposed to be there, guess what? What you're going to be left with? You're going to be left with thoughts that lead you to live a holy life. But when we allow them to linger, and we don't cast down those imaginations, and we allow those negative, untrue, unhonorable, unjust, un thoughts that don't sound good, thoughts that tear down, instead of thoughts that are lovely, when we allow them to linger, listen, it ain't going to be long when they're in there before your wrong thinking that doesn't line up the word of God leads you to wrong believing and leads you to wrong doing. It all starts in our thought life. And it starts by controlling our mind, by securing our thoughts, and by keeping them secure through sobriety of thoughts. Lastly, back to your text, and we're done. He says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Look how he ends this verse. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So how do we, how do we start to fulfill our call to holiness? It starts with controlling our mind. It continues. I'm not going to say ends with because we've got another part of this message yet. But it continues with considering his return. Considering his return. Can I just remind you this? Jesus is coming again. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful. He, he's coming for us, church, first in the clouds. First Thessalonians 4, 16 said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead, and Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, that's our hope. That word hope means confident, earnest expectation. And listen, when we grab hold and we, we take control of living our lives in a matter considering He could come back any single moment. Now we'll live a little differently. Now, 
I don't know when Jesus returns. And neither do you. Neither does Jack Van Empey. Neither does any other guy on TV. Neither does any other guy that ever wrote a book. Amen. And the son doesn't even know. My Bible said. And I don't even get that. And Jesus is God manifest in flesh. And it says he don't even understand when it's happening. So if you don't, he don't understand, don't think any other preacher, anybody else you're going to read after understands either. Somebody say amen right there. If you hear somebody saying that, write this word. I don't even know how to spell it, but write heretic down and turn that garbage off. H-E-R-E-T-I-C-K, something like that. Write it down and turn that man, woman, whatever in the world you listen to off and don't read or listen to them anymore. They are from the pit of hell. They're a false prophet. Amen. If they'll lead you astray on that, they're going to lead you astray everywhere else too. You mark it down. Jesus don't even know and we don't either. Amen. But I do know this. I don't know when, but I know he is. And he has come. And we ought to live our life. Now listen, if I told you, if I somehow knew, which I don't, but if somehow we could find out that Jesus is coming in 15 minutes, what would you think about? It would be a whole lot different than probably what you're thinking about most of the time, wouldn't it? What would you do? Probably be a whole lot different than what you normally do, right? You know why? Because we'd be thinking about stuff we don't normally think about. I wouldn't be thinking about Virginia Tech whooping the West Virginia Mountaineers tonight anymore. Amen. I'd be thinking, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Get us out of this sin-cursed mud ball and let's go on to glory. Amen. By the way, you can't really think that if you've never repented and trusted in it. Because you're going to be here while we're there. Don't be that. <laughs> be ready to go. But if we somehow could know in 15 minutes from now Jesus is going to come and we would think differently and live differently and the fact is we don't know when he's going to come that's why he said you need to consider this at hand. We're looking at that hope he's going to come. Here's what we ought to do as Christians. Here's what we don't do. We ought to live the next 15 minutes like he's going to come in 15 minutes. And guess what? If he don't come in that 15 minutes, you know what we ought to do the next 15 minutes after that? Live like he's going to come the next 15 minutes. And if he don't come in that 15 minutes, guess what we ought to do that next 15 minutes? Live like he's going to come the next 15 minutes. And if we start doing that, guess what? Our thinking will be focused on him and not on, like the dog, every trail that runs across our sin running all over, forgetting our calling and our purpose in life. Our purpose in life is to glorify God. Our calling is to live holy. And holiness starts by controlling our thoughts, by securing them, and by keeping them secure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the precious word of God today. And God, this call to holiness, it's not something we hear preached hardly in we got a pop psychology, church, modern church today that just says it doesn't matter if we live in sin. It doesn't matter what we think. I mean, if, we're, if, we, if we prayed a prayer and we've gotten saved, then all's good and we can live however we want. But God, you said because we're saved, it's time to gird up the loins of our mind. It's time to be sober. 
It's time to be holy as you are holy. God, I pray that we grab these truths before we ever get into actions and manner of conversation and lifestyle. Lord, next week, none of that even matters until we first fix and get control of our mind. Because we'll never be holy until we think holy. We'll never live holy until we have holiness of mind first. Lord, help us to control our thoughts. Control our minds. Secure them and keep them secure. And focus on what is true and honorable and just and virtuous and pure. Father, thank you for the wonderful calling in our lives to be holy. It starts with thinking holy. Have your will and way in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand with heads bowed all over the room. Got a question for you. First and foremost, Christians. How many of you would just be honest with me this morning? No one's looking around, we're not trying to embarrass you. We don't do that. How many would just be honest with you this morning and say, Preacher, yes, there are some things I do that I don't believe wouldn't please God, but I clearly see now why I do them. It's because it's what I think. I always do what I think. And there's some thoughts that I need to get control of that come through my mind that I'll, I'll linger way too long. And by with God's help, I'm going to start getting control of those thoughts. Anybody like that today? Many hands all over the room. Can I encourage you today? You'll never live holy and be holy until you first think holy. Friends, if you're here today, you don't know Christ as your Savior. All of this that we preach today was a response to what he first had done that we covered last week. See, he doesn't have a command on your life to be holy, live holy. Until you first belong to him. He wrote this to Christians. And he wants you right now to become a Christian. He wants you right now to change your thinking. That's what Jesus said this in Mark 1.15. He said, repent ye and believe the gospel. Change, that's what repent means. Change the way I think. I don't have to worry about holiness and living holy and all that right now. I first need to realize that I'm a sinner. And I change my mind about that sin. And then I need to realize that my sin has separated me from a holy God. And that there's nothing I can do to work my way to heaven. It's by grace are you saved through faith. And I need to change my mind about myself. I can't do more good than bad to get there. Then I ultimately need to change my mind about my Savior. And realize there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. That's what repentance is. A change of mind that ultimately leads to a change in behavior. But we're not worried about the behavior. We're worried about you changing your mind. Agree with God that you're a sinner. And understand that Jesus died for your sins and was buried and rose again. That's the gospel message. And that's what Jesus said to do. Repent and believe 
the gospel. If you're not sure that heaven's your home, that, 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 that if you died right now or Christ returned, that you would spend an eternity in heaven, then get it settled right this moment, right there where you stand. Romans 10, 9 says, If thou, that you, that was me about 12 years ago, shall confess with thy mouth, that word confess means agree with God, that Jesus is Lord, you agree with him, you're a sinner, and that Jesus is a Savior, that he's Lord. And believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. There's the gospel message, death, burial, resurrection. Thou shalt, not might be, but thou shalt be saved. If, you don't have your, if you're not secure in your eternity, you're not sure if heaven's your home right now, right there where you stand, right here at this moment, if you understand you're a sinner, you call upon the name of the Lord. And my Bible says, Thou shalt be saved. Pray something like this from the heart. It's not the words of the prayer. It's not the prayer itself that's going to save you. It's the belief in the heart in the object behind the prayer. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But confession of the mouth is necessary. Pray something like this right where you stand. From your heart. Father God, I agree with you today that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on a cross for my sins. And I believe he was buried and he rose again the third day for my sins. And I'm turning to you now, Lord Jesus. I profess and confess you as Savior. By faith, I receive the free gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Christ's name I pray. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Listen, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come to where you are. I don't do that here. But if you just privately ask God to save you, you meant that in your heart. I want to pray for you. That's simple. It. Right now, right where you stand, no one's looking, not calling you out, not embarrassing. Slip your hand up. Preacher, I asked him to save me just now. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that in the room? Got my eternity. Thank you, sir. Anybody else like that today? I asked him to save me. Would you pray for me, preacher? You promised you wouldn't call me out, and I won't. But I do promise I will pray for you. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Anyone else this morning? Father, the hands in the air today to profess that they made the decision to trust you today. Lord, I don't know their hearts. I can't stand here and tell them for sure if they're saved or not. But Lord, they know whether they truly trusted you today. And if they did, on the authority of the word of God, Lord, you said they are now your child. I pray for them now in their walk, Lord. I pray that this is not the end. This is the first step, Lord, that they would now start to, Lord, make this public at some point by getting into the baptistry as the young lady did this morning. But, Lord, even, even beyond that, Lord, they'd, they'd find a good Bible teaching, Bible preaching church, Lord, where they could grow in grace and in knowledge. And, Lord, they would 
learn these truths about how to not only think holy, but to live holy. And allow you to conform them into the image of your son. Father, bless them. Thank you for their decision today to put their trust in you. Father, for your, for your Christians here today, the ones that had already believed, had already repented and believed the gospel. Lord, help us to fulfill the ultimate calling you have in our life. And that is a calling to holiness. And it all begins in our thinking. Help us learn to think right. Lord, so we can believe right. So we can do right. Have your will and way now in this invitation. My brother comes to sing. In Christ's name, amen. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Whatever your need. I didn't give a real call this morning to the altar, but it's open. If you'd like to come pray, you can pray there in your seat. But ultimately our prayer needs to be, Lord, help me control my stinking thinking. that please God is by thinking right in the first begins with our thought life. This is a daily, almost moment by moment, minute by minute, battle and process. Is it true? Is it pure? Is it just? Is it honorable? Think of it in his heart. 